0: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. In today's podcast, I'm going to talk about hope and how hope is an insurance policy. I keep talking about lately about insurance policies in your brain because, honestly, it's such a great way of explaining that when we we can actually build think networks into our brain that can increase our resilience and help us with the challenges of life, the uncertainties of life, the things that we can't control. And there's certain things we can control, and that is what we build into our brain. So besides detoxing tumors and things that are so vitally important, we can also brain build things into our brain. And today specifically, I want to talk about building hope into our brain. You know, when I was working in private practice, and i practiced for nearly 25 years, and we reach millions, as you know, through my, my all my platforms, and I tell you, hope is, you you know yourself. I'm not telling you something you don't know. Hope is something that is fundamental to people wanting to pursue life, to carry on, to keep moving forward, in people that have battled with suicidal thoughts and have actually attempted suicide and it's failed. And who have family members that have committed suicide or have experienced family members who've died from suicide, hope is always a word that comes up. And the people that I've worked with as well, it's like, there's just no hope. There's just no future. You know, hope, is, hope comes so, it comes from inside of you and it's so closely tied to your identity because your identity gives you value. And when you feel valuable, you feel hope. You feel that there's something you can contribute. There's a reason. And so those are very tied in. So, so many of my patients, when I practiced, I used to, I specifically ran a practice for, for all kinds of situations, but I really wanted to work with people that had been almost written off by the therapeutic community. And in, when I, when I first began practicing, we were trained that once you hit a certain age, you know, adolescence, there was not much you could do to help change a person. I mean, so terribly sad. And I never believed that. No matter what age, you can always, change you can always get your hope back and so and I mean now we know that and I did some of the first neuroplasticity research back in the 80s on showing how when we change our mind we change our brain we change our life change our mind we change our brain we change our body we change our life because our mind to our brain to our body to our life that is the order that it works in but I was trained that that's not the case that that basically You've just got to teach people to compensate and that there's a limited amount that you can do for people at certain ages. And thank goodness I never believed that. And thank goodness I continued researching and thank goodness for brain technology that shows us that our brain can keep changing and there's always hope. And so when I work with these patients that were like kind of written off, they would come into my practice like, well, there's no hope. There's no, I'm beyond help. I'm beyond, you know, no one wants to help me. This is who I am. I'm this broken person. And so I would spend literally the first however long it took working on identity working on them understanding their value understanding how they uniquely would think feel and choose and what that could produce in a very positive way and in that way I started seeing hope building I started seeing them starting to see that oh wow there's there's hope for things I can do something there's something I can do that no one else can do you know and then I would do a lot of brain building we would build, find out things that they were interested in, and then we would learn about that and build that so that they felt like they were gaining a level of expertise. So learning stuff, and all of that started using the Neurocycle in different ad, applications and the different tests and things, the different profiles and things that I've developed. And then I would work on detoxing and working on the sort of hard stuff. So every session was always, always built around identity and brain building and hope, and then the hard stuff. And then keep, so that I would then create a, a nice foundation in which they could then move forward. And that I've applied into all my work. So when you learn how to use the NeuroCycle using my book and using my app, it's the same thing as to try and build that, to value your identity, to make sure that you recognize that, hey, it's okay to be a mess, that at the core of who you are, you're wired for love, that you don't have a single structure in your brain and your body that's wired for neg- negativity. I mean, our amygdala, we often hear our amygdalas basically where fear is. The person who, the scientist who researched the amygdala never said that. What scientists basically said is that when we have very strong emotions, of which fear is one, and it's consistent, we have a very definite change in the structure of the amygdala. So your amygdala is like an emotional library, a perceptual library, and it stores emotions. And the more books you put in it, the bigger it gets. And if you are putting in a lot of toxic books and toxic perceptions, stories, into your, into your brain your amygdala holds those emotional perceptions and those books with those sort of the feeling stuff and if it's a lot of toxic stuff then the, the amygdala changes in a negative way if it's healthy it changes in a positive way and it can always change back if you're not stuck with that making sure we are consuming clean water is so important for brain and body health indeed the brain needs to be properly hydrated to function well but many water sources contain harmful additives and chemicals that can impact our ability to think well and love our lives. Virtually every home in America has harmful contaminants in its tap water. This is why I highly recommend checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue is a four-stage countertop purifier that works with no installation or plumbing. It's certified to remove 15 times more contaminants than the ordinary pitcher filters. Its patented ultra reverse osmosis technology is certified to remove 83 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, lead, arsenic, PFAs, nitrates, and many more. It's the same technology used by all the major bottled water brands, but now it's available for your home. And they just made their purifier even smarter with Aqua True Connect, a Wi Fi connected version and smart app that gives you precise filter usage and information about your water quality and consumption. And best of all, with AquaTrue, our water tastes fantastic. And now I can know for certain that we are getting enough water for optimal brain and body health because using the smart app, I can track our water consumption, get alerts to my phone about when to change filters and so much more. It completely takes the guesswork out of clean water and the hard work buying clean water since everything gets delivered straight to my home and it's really easy to set up. Plus, AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, my listeners receive $100 off an AquaTrue plus free shipping. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code DRLEAF at checkout. That's $100 off plus free shipping when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code DRLEAF. The link in details will be in the show notes. So the message that I bring in itself is hopeful. But I also saw working for so many years in South Africa in, during the apartheid and transition period and the post-apartheid era, I just saw, you know, there was so much hopelessness from the chronic racism and the chronic lack of, of facilities and no support and the housing and just, it was it was terrible. And I actually wrote here in my notes, when I worked in South Africa during apartheid, the transition period and the post-apartheid era, I came across numerous forms of hopelessness. In many cases the past, present and future looked bleak. And I mean you can just take COVID now and the pandemic and what's happening in around the world in Afghanistan and, and and you know the weather changes and it can look so bleak. The present and the future can look so bleak. And that can make you feel like what's the point? And I saw this and these people in South Africa, they so thousands and millions of people face so many multiple, I'm just reading from my notes, socioeconomic and political pressures on a daily basis. And many of them had lost the will to keep fighting for a better life. However, I also saw hope. Indeed, I was continually surprised by the resilience and determination I observed in people who came from the most disadvantaged circumstances. I learned the most that I've ever learned about the brain and the mind and the body, and how important we, the psychoneurobiology of our humanity, comes alive inside community. The importance of environment and the importance of deep, meaningful relationships, even in terribly challenged environments, is just so important. That putting that all together in the mix, that you can, that the hope can be built. So... There's certain points and things that I learned and what I want to do for the rest of this podcast is just emphasize some of the points that can build hope back into your life, that you could build into your life. You could wind these in in your active reach, in your recon, rechecks. So if you find that there's an area of hopelessness in your life, if you're feeling that sense of hopelessness and you feel you need to rebuild hope, the first thing you're going to have to do is to first tell you, set up the whole, set up the whole thing by recognizing that you're wired for love that who you are at your core is amazing, that you, and this is not me being motivational, it's me being a scientist, we see that there is no structure in your brain and your body for toxicity. There's only the way that you are, the way that you function is to make messes, but to manage those messes. And we also in our mind as well, we have this optimal, up, we have this optimism bias. At the core of us, we're trying to restore balance all the time. So you start with that, you start with that, that this is not who I am, this, this hopelessness, this fear, feeling of just complete and utter hopelessness it's um, feeling hopeless because of there's always a reason that's not who you are you've become that because of and you want to find the because of and as I always say you then have to become the detective to find the cause of the hopelessness so that you can then build hope into your brain and Once you start doing this, you start then turning around the hopeless situations into hopeful situations, and you wire these insurance policies into your brain, which is which is phenomenal. And we can do this. It's hard work. It's going to happen over cycles of sixty three days, as you know. Your brain doesn't rewire. Your mind doesn't change its its gravitational fields, and your your cells of your body are not going to change into a sustainable pattern in shorter cycles than that of of sixty three days. So sixty three days is sort of the minimum amount of time that we need to spend to start seeing communication changes in our life, behavioral changes in our life, the impact of those, like feeling hope again, for example. Okay, so I was continually surprised by the resilience and determination I observed in people who came from the most disadvantaged circumstances. I would sit in awe listening to these stories and these people that have been through terrible things and had nothing, and they would tell me what they were doing and how they coped and, and were so kind to me. And, yeah, I had everything. I had so much. And, yeah, I'm this white, privileged white woman in this situation and have so much, and they were there encouraging me and thanking me. And it just it showed me the resilience of the human mind and, and the need for us to constantly try to turn situations that are hopeless and to try and find the hope within that. So how did this happen? How did these people have this kind of hope in the midst of these terrible situations? How could people with similar situations see the world so differently? Because I'd be in one community and there'd be some that were so hopeless and some that were so hopeful. Same community, same situations. And through my work and my research, I realized that to understand hopelessness, we really need to look at hope. And people who had hope, I found often did the following things. So I'm going to explain these to you, and I'm going to encourage you to build these in to your rechecks and your active reaches. So as you go through the gather, reflect, and the write, and the recheck, and the active reaches, the points that I'm going to make now, use these to help you to shape your rechecks around the hopelessness that you feel in your life about whatever aspects. And you may not feel it now, but you may know someone who does feel this and needs this message. Or, at some stage in your life, you may feel hopelessness, and then you can bring you can bring this teaching into your life at that point. Okay, so people who had hope often had a deep sense of community, a deep sense of community. You can, you, it's not about you, it's about you in the world. You flourish because of people, because of deep, meaningful connections of, of people. By the same token, people can also hurt you, which is obviously the distorted version. But the wired for love version, the the, the version that is aligned with a wired for love nature is the deep, meaningful connections between humans in a healthy way. So someone who isn't able to, who brings toxicity to a situation, they're doing that because of something that's going on in their life. Because as humans, we are wired for healthy, loving, deep, meaningful connections acceptance and love and we'd see so much of non-acceptance and lack of love and judgments and tribalism and and if you're not like me you're not good and if you don't take my way and this is the only way and if you don't do this we'll cut you out and we'll cut you off and we'll exclude you and that's not love that's and that is causing brain damage in the people that are doing that people who create these exclusive clubs that if you don't think exactly like I think and you've got to do it then I'm going to cut you off they're causing brain damage in their own brain because that's totally counter. To how the brain is working and it's totally counter to hope so a sense of community builds hope and hope builds health into the whole brain and the body because as you hope you're influencing those eight hundred and ten thousand to a million cells that you are making every second so therefore you're building health into your brain and your body so it's a real thing so deep sense of community these people that i saw in these communities they were surrounded by family and friends who cared enough to notice, listen, and help them find solutions to the problems that they faced. These are things, observations that I made over the years of my research working in these these communities. So one of the main things, these people were surrounded by family and friends who cared enough to notice. We live in such an individualized society that are you noticing what's going on around you? Are you actually noticing that someone is hurting? Are you stopping to see why? or asking why, or going to them and saying, I see you're hurting, I see things are not right, let me work with you to help you find solutions. There's a great story of a psychiatrist who trained in South Africa who used to work around, who works around all parts of the world in war-torn areas and was in Cambodia and there was a rice paddy farmer and he stood on a mine and his leg got blown off and couldn't do the, obviously now he had little wooden stumps and couldn't go back into the fields and was incredibly depressed and just curled up on, his bed and couldn't sleep and depressed, didn't want to do anything. And, and the big thing here is that his, the community that he lived in didn't just like write him off and say it's a psychiatric case and send him to a hospital. They noticed and they came around him and they asked him, what is the problem? We understand you're in pain. We understand you. you, you it's, it's so hard to accept that you don't have this mobility you had. You've lost your legs. But there's more going on here. What is it? And as they came together, he said, as they talked through this process so they gathered awareness and they reflected and maybe they didn't write down but they were talking it through they were going through this process of of mentally writing maybe they did write things down and so they didn't consciously use the neurocycle but the neurocycle is a mind driven process that we instinctively do i'm just making it very obvious for you and bringing it into a system that you can learn to apply and, be, and really drive your mind but basically this community noticed and sat with him and gathered awareness and they reflected and they sort of rechecking and to to solve the problem and to see what could we do. And it turned out that what he's really was missing more than his legs was the farming. He loved to be outside farming. And that was the core of his depression. he said he could live with the legs, but he couldn't live without farming. So he could live with the wooden legs, but he couldn't live without farming. So they said, well, what happens if we, you know, if you go back in the fields, you can't go back into the rice paddy with wooden legs. What if we get you a cow and you become a dairy farmer? So you're on the land, but you're still outside, you're still farming, and they did that, and that solved this problem. Now, that's the deep sense of community. That's coming together and and solving something creatively, but it's together. Okay? So that's what I saw, deep sense of community. Then another thing was acceptance for who they were, which goes back to that identity thing. The people who had hope felt valued for who they were as a person. I cannot tell you again, with my patience, when I practiced, how there wasn't one that came into my practice that did not feel a lack of hope because of their identity. It was always at the core. They felt like I'm just a bad person or I'm just stupid or I'm crazy or there's just something wrong with me. You know, we're not wired to feel that there's something wrong with us. We are wired to accept we've made a mess and to manage it. But we're not wired to think we at our core are broken and diseased and we can have a disease like cancer but it doesn't mean you disease. It means that there's something going on in your body. But it doesn't mean you as a person are devalued. And as soon as you feel that, your hope goes. So those people that have value can see the value in who they were. That is a massive in hope, in coping through whatever circumstance they're facing, recognizing the value that they bring to the table, that they as a person have inside of them. Then inspiration is another one. They were inspired to do something that is bigger than who they were. Inspiration was massive. They were inspired to do something that was bigger than what they were. So it's not just about me and my pain. It's about, okay, well, what can we do to change this community or change the situation or change this family? Or, you know, I'm sad, but this is happening, but how can I go beyond it? You know, how can I, like that guy who's now a dairy farmer was now bringing milk to children that couldn't get milk, that were too poor to get milk. So now, that he had gone beyond himself and beyond his his legs that were now stumps, and had got was inspired to his friends were inspired and he was now inspired to take this to a whole new level. And so there was hope in uh, in in the fact that he could now bring milk to the community. So they were inspired to do something that is bigger than who they were. They wanted to make an impact. They had a sense that there was something to live for that was bigger than just them. So many of my patients that were suicidal that were depressed did not feel that they had something to live for and that something to live for is always it's not just an end goal of finances or something it is something that changes other people you've heard this a million times i've heard it a million times where someone says i just want to help other people i'm running this podcast because i want to help people how many people i interview or i get interviewed by people that and they say that we're doing this to help others every description of every just about every podcast and tv show and people that are doing it's to help each other we just naturally want to help each other we've got to get back in that mode and that sense of being inspired to live beyond yourself to help others is so important for hope as the colder weather starts to set in it is important to take care that our immune systems are in good shape for optimal brain and body health yet one area that is often overlooked when it comes to a healthy immune system is our gut This is why I love Kettle and Fire's incredible range of sustainably made, nutrient-rich bone broths, soups and stocks, which are the perfect way to support your gut and immune system this fall. Their products are made using grass-fed and finished beef bones, pasture-raised chicken bones and organic herbs and veggies, and contain no artificial anything. I personally love using their Tom Yum bone broth in warming Thai curries as weather gets colder outside and their chicken and beef broths in my soups and stews. Sometimes I even just like warming up their broths from the stove, adding ginger and lemon, and drinking them straight from a mug. They are so delicious. These broths also support a healthy gut-brain connection, which is so necessary for our mental well-being, and they are perfect to have on hand in case you get sick. Simply heat and eat. Ketlin fires amazing broths and soup, or use in recipes for added nutrients. If you want to try Ketlin Fire's delicious products, you can use the code Dr. Leaf for 25% off your order. Just visit Ketlinfire.com forward slash Dr. Leaf and use the code Dr. Leaf to get 25% off your order. The link and details will be in the show notes. So there was something more than what they were just going through. So they weren't completely consumed by themselves. They were seeing that, and there's nothing wrong with being consumed by yourself in the moment when you're in terrible trauma. But to be able to get through, you've got to see there's something bigger than just the pain that you're in, that you, this is very real, we need to deal with it. But how can we, can we transform that? How can you, you're still important, even though what you're going through, there's still value in you, you can still bring something to the table that no one else can. And if you don't, the whole world loses out because only you are you and only you can deliver what only you can deliver. And then the other one is a sense of ownership. The people who felt... Who had hope felt that they owned their own lives. You know, when I did my research and I've done my research over all these years, and in my most recent book, I put the the pathway to empowerment is this the sense of agency, the sense of of ownership, the sense that that you own your own lives, that you're not owned by someone else, that you this is my life. I choose to do what I want with my life. There's consequences that I'm gonna pay, yes, but this is my life. I'm not owned by someone else. And that's that's a, it may sound crazy in this day and age that people feel that, but we, people do. You know, if you're in a bad marriage, you may feel that you are owned. If you're in a cultish kind of situation, you may feel in a very religious family or very religious, involved, lots of laws, lots of like you know, sexism, racism, all of those are like taking people's ownership away from them, like their lives. And that takes away hope. So we've got to, when you have that sense of ownership, it brings back hope. Freedom. Freedom, they felt that they were free to express their own philosophy. They were not driven by external constraints. It's so important. Freedom, free to express your own philosophy. Free to say, this is what I feel, in the feeling of safety. So if someone doesn't agree with you, you still feel safe enough to be able to free to say, oh, that's I don't agree with you, but this is how I feel. And, and you still can have coffee together and smile at each other. It's not a huge fight and a war. You don't feel that you're constrained, that you can't express yourself because you're going to get punished or rejected or kicked out the tribe or something like that because you express your philosophy. So people that had hope felt that they were free to be able to express their philosophy. Then the next one was the ability to examine their own life, the ability to self-regulate. Like I teach all the time with my with my NeuroCycle, the ability to examine your own life, to stand back and to observe your own life objectively without judgment and criticism, but just as a, as a process of what's great, what's messy, and how can I repair the mess to grow? How have I skipped, what what caused me to slip out of my natural mode, which is one of being wired for love? So these people were able to stand back and get perspective on where they were going, what they were doing, and what they wanted from life. And then the ability to live outside of social labels. Wow, in this day and age of social labels, this is a good one. So they did not get stuck in labels which limited them. You know, as soon as you get a label, there's research in the mental health field that shows, and I put it in this book, that as soon as you get a diagnostic label, initially it helps you because you kind of, oh, this is why I'm like this, but it's like an empty gift. I've often used this example. You open it, there's nothing in there. But if you don't have the label, but you have a description that I'm, these are symptoms of, and I'm feeling like this because of something I've experienced, then it's a gift that keeps on giving because it is Okay, it's hard to see, but there's, there's the whole thing, I'm valued, I'm, I'm not broken, I'm, I'm experiencing a sense of a period of brokenness, but me at my core, I'm not broken. This is not who I am, I'm broken now because of, but the core of me is not broken, the wisdom in me. So it's a different philosophy, it's a different perspective. So a label blocks that, a label locks you in. I mean, you accept a label, you wire that label in, and here's my toxic tree. You literally wire that in, and you live up to the label. How many cases have someone said, you're no good, you can't do this, you are useless, you're not going to be able to achieve X, Y, and Z? And how many times have have people had that said to them? And they, they live up to that limitation. They believe that until they realize that that was toxic, that that was toxic things. And a lot of people who've been through trauma have gone through this where their whole identity is shot because they've been told all this stuff and they've been labeled as useless and can't do and this and this. And that label has been wired in and they've heard it so often, more than 63 days, that it's it's a pathway that's activated, but it's not the truth, you know, and it, and it locks you in. So the ability to rec- recognize that mm-mm, that doesn't make me feel good. That is, I'm not going to be shaped by the world. I'm not going to be labeled by social circumstances. I'm not going to be put in that box or that category. I'm me. No one can put you in a category because you are you. You are your own category. This episode is brought to you by Public Goods, the one stop shop for sustainable, high quality, everyday essentials made from clean ingredients at an affordable price. Everything from coffee to toilet paper and shampoo to pet food. Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. Public Goods searches the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly and innovative products. I just placed an order for a ton of pastas, sauces, spices and oils and cannot wait to get cooking. Public Goods is also a great place to get beautifully packaged gifts for friends and family. They ethically source and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives, still common on drug and grocery store shelves. They are committed to making their products healthy and safe for humans, animals, and the environment. I worked out an awesome deal just for my listeners. Receive $15 off your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they're giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. Plus, right now, receive your choice of either a free pack of bamboo straws or reusable food storage wraps with your order. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com forward slash Dr. leaf or use the code DrLeaf at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash Dr. leaf to receive $15 off your first order. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. The courage to embrace the pain, that is huge. You know, when you start going through the neurocycle, and I talk about this in my book and my research and all this with my patients, it gets worse before it gets better. When you see why you were feeling so anxious and why you were having all these patterns in your life of toxicity that were affecting everything, and you start seeing this, it hurts, it's painful. It gets worse before it gets better. And so therefore, that ability to face that pain, you can't heal unless you feel. So a lot of people, when we start feeling the pain, we want to run from it. But when you can embrace that pain for the message that it brings, like I had some of my patients and, and some of my patients in my clinical trial that would say things like, as they go through the 21 days times three, as they went through the first 21 day cycle, because it's three different parts, three three groupings, 63 is three groups of 21. And each 21 days, something significant is happening. And the first 21 days, you basically identify the toxic issue and you start converting it into, let me find my little one, my little treat into, now where is it? Here we go. A small version of the reconceptualized, then we have to stabilize that over the next 42 days. Okay, so basically when, as you going, as you're going, as the patients were going through this, the first and the subjects, as they go through this embracing, processing, reconceptualizing, and starting to see the roots, they would say things like, I'm even more depressed but it's different. It's a depression where I see my value and how my value was taken away. It's a depression of, I'm sad for, I'm depressed about what I had gone through as a child or as an adult or in a marriage or something like that. And so it's a different kind of depression. But, and it's a, and it's followed by, but I know what to do as opposed to a hopelessness. So it's a hopeful kind of depression message versus a hopelessness. And that comes from work. And the, and the people that had hope they, they They had the ability, courage, had the courage, that's the word I'm looking for, to embrace this pain. They did not suppress their feelings. Rather, they embraced and processed their fear, uncertainty, and pain and turned it into positive action, making a difference in their communities. They accepted that bad days happen and that life was difficult and they decided to push through, feel the pain and not give up. They also had a strategy when they found themselves in a dark place. So when you find yourself in a dark place, do you have a strategy? Those people with hope, when they had found themselves in a dark place, they had a strategy. These people realized that life was not a bed of roses and that there would be tough times. They planned ahead and developed a strategy, including talking to others. And that's why I bring you the NeuroCycle. That's why I run this podcast and do what I do and do the research, because I'm helping you to have a strategy to manage your mind when you're in the dark places and the very dark places and the very, very, very dark places and the not-so-dark places. And as you use that strategy, you're going to be deconstructing and reconstructing and building these beautiful, healthy new thoughts. And you can use the NeuroCycle to not, least, not, to not only detox, but to also just build good stuff in your brain. And I'm going to be talking a lot about this. A, a, one of the podcasts I did recently was how to build gratitude as an insurance policy in your brain. I mean, that's using the NeuroCycle. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. That's having a strategy. So when you're in a dark place, you can draw on those strategies that they've had the 63 days at least and more. So as you're in that dark place, those pop up and they then can deal with this dark place. So you've got this helping overcome this versus this or nothing. So that's what I'm talking about in that situation. And most importantly, the understanding that although they cannot control the circumstances of life, they can control their reaction to the circumstances of life. So that was a key thing, that they couldn't control events and circumstances in people. They couldn't control what had happened to them, but they could control their reactions, turn them into responses and change what happened in them. In many cases, and I'm going to read this last bit to you, the absence of one or more of these factors can lead to hopelessness and despair, which is why we as a society need to create communities that foster all these these, these factors. They don't just make a difference, but actually are the difference. Communities need to be the difference. We need to be fostering all these things, a deep sense of community, acceptance for who they were, inspiration, a sense of ownership, freedom, the ability to examine their own life, the ability to live outside of social labels, the courage to embrace their pain, a strategy when they find themselves in a dark place, and the understanding that although they cannot control the circumstances of life, they can control the reactions to those circumstances. So we need communities that are places where people can develop resilience, find hope and experience and love. And we are needing it so much now in this COVID era because labeling people with mental health diseases because anxiety has tripled and making it out that, oh, now you've got a brain disease. No, you are responding in a normal way to a very scary circumstance. And to tell people that have had COVID that your brain's always going to be damaged. No, your brain is neuroplastic. It can change. I have seen people with such severe brain trauma and they have grown and changed their brain. I've done podcasts on on the COVID brain and how we can stimulate and change it. And in my conferences here, I'm going to be speaking about that as well. There's always the hope that we can grow, that we can repair, that we can change. Even if that change looks different, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as we're growing, repairing and growing, repairing and growing. Embrace the mess to repair and grow. If you don't embrace the mess, you can't repair and grow. Hope comes from embracing that mess and repairing and growing. So we need places where people can develop resilience, find hope, experience love, feel their pain, develop meaningful relationships, and recognize that although life is hard, they're more than capable of dealing with challenges, achieving their dreams, and changing the world for better. I'm trying to inspire you, absolutely. But hope is such a phenomenal basic driving force. It is oozing out of you as you operate in your wide for love mode. So I encourage you, get a handle on this, re-listen to this and see how you can start applying this in your life and creating communities around you that can change the world. It takes one man to make a difference. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful.